Welcome to this edition of the Gateway Podcast. Thanks for connecting with us. To discover more about our faith community, feel free to visit our website, gatewaychurch.org.nz. May this message be an encouragement to you. Well, good morning, church. Um, It is an honor to be able to speak to you this morning. I'd like to start by thanking Chris and Don for giving me this opportunity and for trusting me again with this platform. It's a privilege that I don't take lightly, um, and I'm incredibly grateful for it. Before we jump into the word and just a few thoughts that I'd like to share with you this morning, would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you that we get to be in your presence in worship. Thank you that we get to gather as your faith community in your presence. But Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you that it is living and it is active and sharper than two, any two-edged sword. Lord, I pray in the next few moments that we have together, would you take this message, would you divide it amongst everybody here so that everyone would know that they have been in your presence this morning. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Amen. This morning we begin a two-part series called Now But Not Yet. As Christians, we live in a holy tension. We believe that the eschatological promises of God have broken into our present through the person and the work of Jesus. Because of the finished work of Jesus on the cross, the boast of sin and grave and sin have been silenced And we can now live as the redeemed and transformed people that God has made us for his glory. But there's a tension. We only have to look at the world around us to know that things are not how God intended. And we are not completely free from the grip of sin. We live in a world where the enemy is doing everything that he can to destroy the people and the purposes of God, and frankly, sometimes it feels like he's doing a good job. The Bible says that we are to be in the world, but not of it. On one hand, we hold the responsibility of being present to the life unfolding before us, stewarding the circumstances and the people that we're called to right now. But on the other hand, we are to live in the light of a future hope, one that one day everything will be just as God intended and hold on to the promises that God has given us and persist with the unanswered prayers we have yet to see and may not ever see in our lifetime. In fact, as long as we live on this earth or until Jesus returns, we will live in a season of now, but not yet. We're in an in-between time, and life isn't one-dimensional. Rather, life is an intertwined experience of joy and pain, tears and laughter, beauty and bitterness. We can't accept things as they are, but we can't despair as if we have no hope. We can and we must cry over the horrors that sin brings into this world, yet we must preserve our God-given joy, knowing that Jesus came to make all things new. That's the reality of the Christian life, and sometimes it's not easy. A holy tension of lives lived in between the now and the not yet. 
2 Corinthians chapter 4, 8 and 9, Paul describes this holy tension. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not driven to despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. On a personal level too, you may be experiencing a now but not yet season in your life. Perhaps you're holding on to a promise that God gave you long ago and is yet to be fulfilled. Or you have a sense that God has called you to something, but your current circumstances don't reflect that, and you're not sure how God is gonna work that through. The Bible describes people in this now but not yet season in two very beautiful ways. Disciples and pilgrims. Disciples says that we are people who spend our lives apprenticed to our master. We are constantly in a growing and learning relationship. As disciples, we learn, but not in an academic setting of a a classroom, but rather in the workshop of a craftsman. We learn his trade so that we can become like him. Pilgrim is a concept used throughout the Bible. Pilgrims are those who live in a foreign land away from their own people. Paul in the book of Hebrews speaks of Noah, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, Gideon, David, Samuel, giants of the faith who were all strangers and pilgrims of this earth and died in the now but not yet season of their lives, not having received the fulfillment of God's promises to them in their lifetime. Hebrews 11 verse 39 and 40 says, all of these, the men I just listed, though they have gained divine approval through their faith, did not receive the fulfillment of what was promised because God had us in mind and had something better for us so that they, these men and women of authentic faith, would not be made perfect, that is, completed in him apart from us. Each of these men made the promise of their eternal home, the not yet promises, the foundations of their lives. And rather than waiting for those promises to come to them, they lived their lives set out for their father's house. And it's in this now but not yet season I want to look at in more detail during these two weeks and ask the question, what does discipleship look like here? What does servanthood, leadership, and resilience look like here? How do we build godly character and navigate the now whilst keeping our eyes focused on the not yet? I don't know about you, but I don't want to sit around idly for Jesus' return or use this now time where I know my sins are forgiven and my eternity is secured to go about doing things I know I shouldn't. Instead, wouldn't we rather live as the transformed people that we are and use this time and this divine delay to join in God's redemptive purposes, co-laboring to continue his mission to bring the gospel of Jesus into a lost and hurting world? To frame these questions, Throughout this series, I want to look at the life of Joshua. 
Joshua is one of the great figures in the Bible who, after the death of Moses, was called on by God to lead the Israelites across the Jordan River into the Promised Land after 40 years of wandering in the desert. Many of us will know the story of the children of Israel as they journeyed from Egypt into the Promised Land. There were approximately two million Hebrews that left Egypt with the opportunity to experience the fullness of God in the promised land. And of the original two million adult Hebrews that left Egypt, do you realize that only two of them stepped onto Canaan soil? Joshua and Caleb. I'm not good at math, but that's one in a million. Here today, as the body of Christ, we have been freed from our Egypt. We have placed our trust in Jesus, and because of the cross, we are on a journey with him. We are pilgrims of our now, but not yet season, where we all have the opportunity, according to John chapter 10, verse 10, to have life and life in abundance. But the problem is, is that each and every one of us has the opportunity, but only a handful of us realized that opportunity. One of the two that made it to Canaan was Joshua. Joshua had only ever known the slavery of Egypt and the wilderness of the desert. But growing up as a Hebrew boy, he would have been taught and knew the promises that God had given to Abraham over 500 years before. And somehow, he was able to hold on to that promise in the now but not yet season of his life. So that when the not yet seemed so far off and at times impossible, Joshua took hold of the now and chose to serve the purposes of God in his time. There are five principles that I see throughout Joshua's life that are true of people who are gonna go all the way with God and successfully navigate the in-between. People that are going to take God at his word and step into the fullness of everything that he has promised each and every one of us. The principles are, Joshua served in obscurity. He sought the presence of God. He had courageous faith. He let go of the past and he obeyed immediately. So over the next two weeks, we are going to look at these principles examined throughout Joshua's life. These characters that are true of Joshua, if you and I can stamp them in our hearts, they will assist us in our pilgrimage, thriving in the now whilst anticipating the not yet. So let's look at the first principle. Joshua served in obscurity. Joshua spent 20 years of his life in Egypt and 40 years in the wilderness and the final 50 years of his life in the promised land. Joshua, the one that we hold up as the man that was used so greatly by God, he saw the sun stand still, he saw the walls of Jericho fall. He was for 40 years in anonymity and obscurity and simply Moses' aid. There is a deep desire in all of us to be known, to know and be known. And it's ironic because while it's one of the deepest cries of every human being, it also seems to be one of the most confusing times in history to truly be known. The false personas we can all be guilty of 
intentionally or unintentionally, whether it's at work or social media and beyond, it makes being known extremely difficult. The value of our identity and purpose is so often defined by the quantity of likes and follows rather than found in true intimacy and connection. We long for public recognition, thinking we will finally discover the connection and the value that we seek. But let me tell you, popularity is a false identity and found wanting when true intimacy is needed. The Bible is, example, is full of examples of people who found identity and purpose in the seasons of life where they were unseen and unnoticed. It happened for Joseph in the Egyptian jail, Elisha as he plowed the fields, Hannah when she cried out for a child, and even Jesus when he battled in the desert, and Joshua. Joshua was one who thrived in hidden places. He served in the tabernacle, was a soldier, and was a servant to Moses. Joshua was content to serve in obscurity because he personally knew the benefits of letting God build you up when no one else is looking. God built character, persistence, and resilience within Joshua so that when God called Joshua to lead his people into the promised land, the only reason why Joshua could get ready was because he was already ready. Joshua didn't waste or lament the obscurity or the now but not yet season of his life. Instead, he had chosen to be obedient despite having little awareness of what God was doing and where he would lead him next. I wonder if there is a generation of Christians who want to go out and conquer and do great things for God and take the promised land but they don't want to do the 40 years of serving in obscurity. I don't know about you, but sometimes I look at leaders and I think, I want to do what you do, but I don't want to do what you did to do what you do. But obscurity is God's school of humility, grounding, transformation, and wisdom. Can I encourage you to keep serving in obscurity? Do it when no one's watching. Do it when you get no recognition, when you don't get noticed, when it's hard, when it's inconvenient, when you'd rather be doing something else. Can I assure you that God sees? Can I assure you that God knows and that every act of obedience is a seed planted in the kingdom of God that will shoot into something you had no idea could happen? Like Joshua, we have to be okay with the fact that anonymity may be the price of obedience. We never see Joshua seeking to climb the ladder of success or pursue a path in leadership in his own way. He served Moses because that was his assignment from God. Joshua chapter 11, verse 15, we find God had called him to be Moses' aid. As the Lord commanded his servant Moses, so Moses commanded Joshua, and Joshua did it. He left nothing undone of all that the Lord commanded Moses. 
Joshua's willingness to do what Moses commanded him meant that Moses could fulfill what God required of him. Even if Joshua never went on to be the great leader we all know him to be, I believe that that calling alone was so powerful and no less significant because he did it in obscurity. An unknown author once said, don't expect God to make you a lighthouse somewhere else if you can't be a candle where you are. Luke chapter 16 verse 10 tells us, whoever is faithful in very little is also faithful in much. And whoever is unrighteous in very little is also unrighteous in much. You may not be in the role or position or situation that you think God is ultimately calling you to. But can I ask you and encourage you to ask the Holy Spirit to help you serve humbly exactly where God has you right now? Be patient and see where he takes you from that place. Perhaps one day you will leave obscurity and enter public ministry or have a public platform or move into leadership in some way, and perhaps not. Either way, God is the one who decides. God is the one who promotes. Our service to God is not a means to an end, but an end in itself, because God is the one who alone receives all the glory. God wants to build roots character, resilience, and faithfulness in us that is going to go deep in us and ground us to prepare us for what he is calling us to do. There is a powerful identity and promise of intimacy and purpose that can only be found in the hidden place as you wait on the Lord for his timing and his calling. If you are currently in a season of hiddenness or obscurity and it's not fun and it's not what you expected, can I encourage you to hold on and let the ache of your heart be known and allow it to push and propel you into obedience? Seek the purpose and the people and the situations that need your obedience right here, right now, in this season. God is always using our present to prepare us for our future, always preparing us for what he has prepared for us. He understands that we need to be developed and not discovered to move into all the plans and purposes that he has designed for you and I. Secondly, Joshua sought the presence of God. What we see when we look at Joshua and study the habits and proclivities that defined him is that Joshua decided very early on that being in and following the presence of God would be the ballast of his life. Exodus 33 verse 11 gives us a glimpse of this resolve. After God had been speaking with Moses in the tabernacle, Moses leaves to head back to the camp and we read, but his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, would not depart from the tent. The tabernacle was where God met with his people. 
For the Israelites, the tabernacle was a daily physical reminder of the immediate, visible presence of their omnipresent God. That's why the tent of every family in every tribe was pitched so that their doorways always faced the tabernacle and it symbolized the orientation of their lives. This physical place of encountering God was so crucial for Moses and a young Joshua in training was taking note. So after Moses' face-to-face encounter with God, we get a snippet of the character of the man who would take his place. Joshua remained in the tent in the presence of God. Joshua had a hunger for the proximity to God. He had a sensitivity and a passion towards God's presence that caused him to linger. It wasn't enough for Joshua to be close to Moses when he was face to face with God. Joshua wanted his own relationship. The place where Joshua was willing to linger longer, refusing to leave God's presence, became the very ground of his commissioning into greater service. While the tabernacle doesn't embody God's physical presence here on earth anymore and the Levites don't oversee the gateway to God's presence, I believe that we can learn something so significant from Joshua on this. Our access to God's presence is a precious privilege. We should never treat it lightly or take it for granted. When we make meeting with God a priority, when we wait for him in faith and anticipation and expectancy of what we know he can do, we will encounter him. We will experience his power, his breakthrough authority in our lives. I believe that if we want to see revival in our nation, transformation within our families, our communities, our neighborhoods, and our workplaces, our desire and pursuit of the presence of God has to increase. We must pursue his presence in the secret place of our personal time alone with God. In community, when we meet the lost and the broken, we are here to serve. And we must seek it when we come together as a faith community and worship and do life with one another. It is in his presence and his presence alone that we will experience the clarity, the truth, the transformation and the direction that we all need. But Joshua's passion for the presence of God was not just the naivety of youth, even after he had taken the reins of leadership from Moses, Joshua never forgot that without the presence of God, he was nothing. We see a wonderful example of this in Joshua chapter three, verses two to four. And it happened at the end of three days that the officers went throughout the camp and they commanded people, When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, your God, being carried by the Levitical priests, then you shall set out from where you are and follow it. However, there shall be a distance between you and it of about 2,000 cubits by measurement. 
Do not come near it, so that you may be able to see the ark and know the way that you are to go, for you have not passed this way before. Joshua, imagine it, is standing on the edge of the Jordan River and is about to enter the promised land after 40 years in the wilderness. And he says to his people, the only way that we are going to know where we need to go is if we wait for the Ark of the Covenant, the physical representation of God's presence with his people. When you see it, and only when you see it move, that's when I want you to move. Here's what I love about the spirit of Joshua. He doesn't say, I'm the leader, follow me. He said, God's the leader, we all need to follow him. And I believe that it's that humility and that posture of servanthood towards God could only have been confirmed as Joshua chose to linger in God's presence. Joshua gives us the reason why we are to follow God, and it's at the end of verse four. He says to the people, here's why we're going to follow the Ark of the Covenant. Here's why we are not gonna move until we see it go past us. Because we have not passed this way before. We haven't been here before. We haven't been to the promised land. We've heard about it. We haven't been here. We haven't navigated a season like this. There is no way we can cross this impossible, impassable river unless we follow the God who has already gone before us. Joshua knew that everything is according to God's grace and purpose. He had, to learn, he had learned to work hard, steward the grace and opportunity that God had given him and protect it. But again, he recognized that without the presence of God, it was worthless. A similar awareness that Moses had when Moses pleaded with God not to remove his presence from them after the Israelites had built the golden calf. Moses knew that they were absolutely helpless in the wilderness if God's presence was not with them. In the last eight months and the challenges that COVID-19 has brought, I think we can safely say that we haven't navigated a season like this before. We haven't been here before. And for many of us, the last eight months and the months ahead may seem like an impossible and impassable circumstance and situation. Whether it's your business, your job, your children, your employees, your family circumstances, your health, your future plans. You need to know that where you are going, the next six to 12 months, or this next season of your life, God has already been there. He is already in your tomorrow, waiting for you to arrive. He is going to equip you and instill with you everything that you need to go into this next season of your life without fear. Would you take comfort in that? I believe that as individuals, but also as a church, when we see the presence of God move, when we see him, let's 
not let him pass us by. We need to be willing to drop everything we have grown comfortable on this side of the promised land, in this in-between time of our lives, and just decide that we are gonna go all the way with God, even if it costs us something. When we find a place where God is moving, Our priority should be to throw our energy into preserving, protecting, and propagating the move of God so that others can come and be blessed in his presence. We experience the presence of God so others can experience the presence of God. It's not all about us. There is a responsibility on us to pass it on. Can I encourage us all to seek intentionally his presence in the mundane, in the ordinary, in the everyday, to get close enough to him to hear his voice. Regularly shut down all the background noise and the interruptions of life. Have a place and a time where all you care about, all you focus on, is God's presence. Would you just look for the presence of God in the in-between and linger there, like Joshua, so that his presence can soften us and mold us so that we can hear his voice as he anoints us and sends us into a world that so desperately needs his light. Musicians, can I invite you up? We're gonna put a comma there and look at the final three principles of Joshua's life next week. Is that okay? Joshua served in obscurity. If that's you right now, if you're here this morning and you feel unseen, unrewarded, and that you're missing out on the big things that God is doing, or perhaps you're not where you thought you would be right about now, or you thought you would be in a place somewhere else. Can I encourage you that your calling is about who you are before what you do? God is just as concerned about who you are becoming as he is about where you are going. He sees you and what he has promised you and what he has started in you, I promise you he will finish. Joshua sought the presence of God. As we close in worship, let's just take a moment as a faith community to focus our hearts on being in his presence where two um, or more are gathered and be bold enough to linger there just a little longer. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to know more about our faith community, feel free to visit our website, gatewaychurch.org.nz.